Welcome to Abergavenny Baptist Church. Life, faith, together. The Bible reading today is from John chapter 1 and verses 1 to 14. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God, whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light, that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of, the, the will of man, but of God. And the world beca- word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Well, in John chapter 1 and verse 14, it says the Word became flesh. The Word God became flesh, became human, and made his dwelling among us. I mean, wow, just think about that for a moment. God, the, the, the creator of the whole universe, who, the being that brings everything in the whole cosmos into existence became a human, became a a vulnerable baby, born in Bethlehem, laid in a manger, in in a feeding trough for an animal. You see, in Jesus, God steps into human history. He, He steps into time and space in order to make himself known. And he becomes one of us. And so what we discover here is that Jesus is 100% God. And Jesus is 100% human. It's not that he's like 50% God and 50% human. No, he's he's 100% God, fully God, and 100% human, fully human. That's why Paul writes in Colossians chapter 1 and verse 19, For God was pleased to have all his fullness, 100%, dwell in Jesus. And in Colossians chapter 2 and verse 9, Paul says, For in Christ all the fullness, 100% of of the deity lives in bodily form. It's not just a little bit of God or a part of God, but All his fullness lives in Jesus as a human. But but, but how? I mean, how can Jesus be 100% God and 100% human? Surely he's got to be either God or human, or he's got to be some kind of mixture, you know, like 40% God, 60% human, or something like that. How can he be 100% God and 100% 
human? Well, it's a mystery. It's simply beyond our comprehension. Just like the way light can, can simultaneously be a particle and, and a wave at, at the same time. It, it's, it's beyond our comprehension. We can't understand how it, it, it does that. It's beyond our comprehension, but it is. It's a mystery, but it's a reality. But this leads us to a second question. How, how can God be in heaven and fully in Jesus on earth at, at the same time? I mean, when Jesus was walking around on earth, God was fully in Jesus, but yet at the same time, we would say God the Father was in heaven. And, and the Holy Spirit, well, well, he's kind of like everywhere. And so we talk about God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. But yet there's just one God. One God and three persons. Father, Son, and Spirit. But, but how can God be one and three? How can God be fully in Jesus and yet in heaven? Well, again, it's a mystery. It's beyond our comprehension. God is infinite. And therefore, God is infinitely beyond our comprehension. I mean, do you, you really think you can fully understand God? Uh, a New Testament scholar called Don Carson tells a story uh, about a conversation he had with a good friend, a Muslim friend from Pakistan. This was way before he became a, a New Testament scholar. It was while he was still uh, doing his first degree in chemistry and mathematics uh, in a university in Canada. And, and it was during this time he became friends with this older guy who was from Pakistan who had come to the university to do his PhD in Islamic studies. And one day while they were chatting, having this conversation, uh, it suddenly dawned on, on Don that his friend was trying to convert him to Judaism, I mean, to, uh, to Islam. And, uh, and although Don would have loved to have spoken to his friend about Jesus, he felt quite intimidated because this guy was a, an experienced, trained Muslim theologian, uh, and he was just studying in chemistry and mathematics. And his friend said to him, so Don, you study math mathematics, right? Don said, yes. And so his friend asked him, Don, if you've got one cup, if I give you one cup and then I add one more cup, how many cups have you got? Don's doing a degree in mathematics. I mean, there was two, two cups. Uh, and the guy said, okay, well, if you've got two cups and you add one more cup, how many cups have you got? Three. His friend then said, okay, so Don, you, you believe the Father is God? Don could see where this was going. <laughs> yes. And you believe the Son is God? Yes. And you believe the Holy Spirit is God? 
Yes. So then tell me, one God plus one God plus one God equals... How was Don going to answer that question? Well, this is what he said. He said, okay, if you're going to choose a mathematic model, let me choose the branch of mathematics. And Don said, if you have infinity plus infinity plus infinity, what have you got? Infinity. And then he looked at his friend and he said, I believe in an infinite God. It's beyond our comprehension. But God is an infinite God. Now the Old Testament already had a way of speaking how God could be fully present on earth while simultaneously being completely transcended up in heaven. They had many ways of speaking about this, but the two most common ways was to use the language, the language of the glory of God, and secondly, the word of God. So first, let's look at the glory of God. Well, within the Old Testament, they believed that God was fully and uniquely present within the tabernacle. This was a tent that used to function as a temple. And then later, they believed that God was fully and uniquely present within the temple itself. Fully present in the temple, yet they still believed that God was transcendent. He was up in heaven. They didn't believe that God was contained and limited to the temple, but they did believe he was fully present and uniquely present within the temple. And the way they would speak of this, they would use the language of the glory of God. They would say that the glory of God filled the temple. So we see this in Exodus chapter 14, verse 34. It says, The glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And then in 1 Kings chapter 8 and verse 11, it says, The glory of the Lord filled the temple. Now, the glory of God is the very presence of God. And, and as such, it is God because it's His glory. But on the other hand, it's kind of distinct from God because it's not God, it's his glory. And so they used this concept of the glory of God in order to speak about how God could be fully and uniquely present in the temple while still remaining in heaven. And then they would use the language of the word of God. Now, words, like my words, are intimately connected to me. They're kind of like part of me. It's the breath that comes out of my mouth. It's the sound that comes out of me. They're intimately connected to me, but yet they're distinct from me. They kind of have a life of their own. Uh, you know, I, I can be quoted. I can be held account to what I said. My words can be written down, and so they... They're intimately connected to me, but they kind of have a life of their own. 
and they reveal who we are. That they express my ideas. That they communicate my intentions. And my words, all words, our words are powerful. Words are powerful. And so God's word is intimately connected to God, but yet it's distinct from God. And God's word reveals who God is. And God's word is powerful. It's described as this active force working within creation. So for example, in Isaiah chapter 55 and verse 11, God says, my word. It's intimately connected to him. It's my word that goes out of my mouth. So it kind of has a life of its own. It's somewhat distinct from him. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire, achieve the purpose for which I sent it. And so it's described as being very powerful, as an act of force working within creation. And of course, God's word brings about all of creation. In Genesis chapter 1 and verse 3, we read, And God said, Let there be light. And there was light. And so the Old Testament, using the, the words, the language of the glory of God and the word of God, is able to communicate how God can be simultaneously transcended up in heaven while also being present and active on the earth. And with this, this first century Jewish background in mind, when, when we read John chapter 1 with this first century Jewish background in mind, we can suddenly truly grasp what they're saying, what the author is saying. He's saying that that, that that glory of God that made God present in the temple, that word of God that brought about the whole of creation, that has become flesh, has become human, has become a vulnerable baby. In John chapter 1 and verse 1 to 3, it says, in the beginning. That's a, a clear echo back to Genesis chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him, all things, all things were made. Without Him, nothing was made that has been made. And for the original readers, they would immediately be thinking of that word of God that brought the whole cosmos into being, the whole universe into being. And then we read in verse 14, the word became flesh, became human, and made his dwelling amongst us. Wow, just think about that. That word that brings the whole universe into existence and into being has become a human, a vulnerable baby. And what we discover here is that the, the, the word of God is not just merely some kind of personification of God's attributes. It's not merely some kind of agent, tool that God uses to create. No, it's a person. It's Jesus. And he made his dwelling among us. Now the Greek word translated dwelling literally means he pitched his tent. It could be translated he tabernacled amongst us. This is a clear reference back 
to the temple, that tabernacle, that tent that functioned as a temple. And what we discover here is that Jesus is now the new temple on earth. Jesus is the place where God dwells on earth. Jesus is the place where we can experience the very intimate presence of God. And that's why it continues to say, we have seen His glory. The glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. That very glory that filled the temple, they now see that glory in Jesus. Therefore, if we want to come into the presence of God, we don't go to a temple, we don't go to a building, we go to a person, we go to Jesus. But the big question, why? Why did God become a human? Why did God become a vulnerable baby? Well, the reason is because we've made a mess of God's good creation. The world is a mess. Wars raging, global warming, poverty, broken relationships. The world's a mess. And we're responsible. We've all contributed in a greater or lesser way to the world being a mess. And our life is a mess. You see, the heart of the problem is the problem of the human heart. There is evil in our heart. Our hearts are selfish and greedy and self-centered. I so often do things and say things that I regret. I wish I could go back in time and redo them and not say that hurtful, careless thing, but I can't. I'm powerless. And so I'm left with guilt and regret. I'm left with the mess. But God doesn't leave us in the mess. He doesn't abandon us. He doesn't give up on us, but rather He comes to us. And he enters into our mess as a baby, as a vulnerable baby. And then on the cross, Jesus takes all our mess upon himself. He feels the pain and the hurt and the suffering. He he takes the the consequences of our mess. He takes the the consequences of all we've done and and he deals with our mess. He deals with the, the evil in our hearts so we can experience forgiveness, freedom, peace, and life, eternal life. You see, God ultimately came to die. To die for us, to die for me, to die for you, simply because he loves you and he wants a relationship with you. So can I end by just asking you two questions? Firstly, Have you truly grasped the fact that God came to dwell with us on earth as a human? And then secondly, more importantly, 
Have you experienced the reality of God's presence in your life? See, this isn't a fairy tale. This is a historical fact. 2,000 years ago, God entered into human history. He entered into time and space to make himself known. So that we can have this profound sense of the presence of God in our life. So we can know His forgiveness, His peace, and His love. So that we can feel connected to God because of Jesus. And even when life is tough, we can have a a sense of a, a presence, a peace, a purpose. And the love. And we all come to discover that we are more loved than we could ever imagine. Have you experienced that? Have you experienced this presence of God in your life? If not, why don't you right now today open up your hearts to the presence of God. And allow God to reveal himself to you afresh. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just stand in awe of you. That you, the creator of the whole universe, would become a human, a vulnerable baby, simply because you love us. Father, we can't comprehend that. We can't understand that. It's simply way beyond us. But we stand before it in all that you would do that for us. And Father, we want to open our hearts to you. Won't you reveal yourself? Won't you draw near to us? May we know your presence within our life right now. May we sense your presence, your peace, your purpose, and your love. Father, we thank you that even though we've made such a mess of things, you never give up on us, you never abandon us, but you draw near to us. Father, help us to turn to you and to receive all that you have for us. We ask this all in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit our website abgavenibaptist.co.uk